Welcome back, podcast fans. I'm your host, Annette Hines, and this is Parenting Impossible, the special needs survival podcast. So it is the beginning of November. Uh, Up here in the Northeast, it starts to get cold, it's dark, it's rainy, um, and, you know, we might have some good sunshiny days, but they're fewer and far between. So for me, it's also my season of grief. And for those of you who have been listening to this podcast for a while, you might remember that November was the month that I lost my daughter, Elizabeth, nine years now, coming up on the anniversary nine years ago. And, you know, it's crazy, but the amount of time doesn't matter. The seasonality of what's going on up here right now just brings it all back. The smell of fall, the, you know, crispness in the air, a time when I used to enjoy the foliage, but as I see the leaves turn, I start to take a deep breath and hold it. And I feel like I'm holding that breath until January. I don't know how many of you have similar experiences. I definitely have spent some time, you know, in survival mode, in survivor mode. And it was a deep trauma. It is a deep trauma. So I have a lot of PTSD and things just keep coming up for me. So that's one of the reasons I'm really excited to bring this podcast to you today. I was fortunate enough to interview Shonda Morales, whose book, Breathe, Mama, Breathe, and then Don't Forget to Breathe Technique, was really helpful. I learned so much from Shonda. And, um, you know, it's funny because when people talk to you about things like mindfulness, you say to yourself, maybe you do. I definitely do. Oh, yeah, I know that. Of course, I know that. I know what I'm supposed to be doing. And yet, we really don't do it. We can't manage it, right? Um, We need somebody to help us, to remind us of these things. We need to be able to draw on that. Um, The Don't Forget to Breathe framework is breathe, becoming, and balance. And we talked about the difference between mindfulness, meditation, and mindful breaks. And I really loved this idea of the mindful break, something new to me. Um, And it was an opportunity to just learn how to take a second, 30 seconds, a minute, two minutes out of your day to have that break, to just sit and be with whatever, whatever it is right now, whatever is going on with you. Um, I hope that you are not going through the same kinds of feelings that I am right now. I hope that you're not experiencing the level of anxiety that I am right now. But if you are, and even if you're not, this is going to be a helpful episode for you. It is really going to bring you back to center, bring you back to balance. And also, you may, you may need to use this for your kids. I know I have a kiddo who's highly anxious as well. That leaf did not fall far from this tree. So listen, please let me know if you're enjoying these episodes. I would love to hear from you. I'd love to know 
if there are things that you wish we would be covering and talking about, it's really important to me that we are meeting the needs of our audience. So I hope that you'll reach out. I'm grateful for any advice, counsel, even if you're not enjoying it. I want to hear that too. So thank you so much for being a listener. I really appreciate it. And here we go. So today we are talking about one of my favorite topics and it is self-care. Yes, ladies. I mean, you gentlemen too, of course, but it's the women who have the hardest problem, the hardest challenge in trying to make sure that there's time for us. And when we say that we are not talking about going to get our nails done. I mean, yes, maybe that's part of it, but we really want to think about this in a bigger way. So I have Shonda Morales with me today, who is an amazing author. And I'm so excited to talk about Breathe Mama Breathe. This is awesome. Shonda, welcome to the show. Hi, Annette. Great to be with you today. So in our disability community, it is a thing that we as the caregivers, whoever the main caregiver is, really just doesn't have that time to take care of ourselves. Can you just tell me a little bit about your background and your family? And then let's launch into this. Sure. So I have two kids. They are 10 and 20. So I have a fifth grader and a senior in college. Oh, wow. That's a big, <laughs> yeah. big discrepancy there. Yes. And um, so it's been interesting. It's a, you know, I talk a, a little bit about that too, what it's like to have kids 10 years apart, the, the pros, the cons, I mean, you know, it, and it's um the, the benefit to my little guy, who's the, the 10 year old is that I've really relaxed a lot because I think uh, when I had my daughter, very much a recovering perfectionist type A, and really, you know, like all of us, it's having our kids and, and doing the best we can by them is what matters most to us. And so we we really can be so hard on ourselves. And again, especially women, um, we're given those messages from society. So anyway, uh, back to mindfulness and how I came to, to this is uh, I was a yoga practitioner and probably about um, 25 years now. And I was, so that was kind of my introduction to meditation, but no, nothing formal. And then I was doing some reading um, around the time my daughter, who's the 20-year-old, was about three years old. I came across some reading mindfulness in therapy. I, I'm a, a psychotherapist by training and have my own practice. And I, I was intrigued because I thought, okay, you know, a lot of therapy was about cognitive behavioral therapy. It's about our thoughts. Um, yes. And this felt like the heart piece. It felt like a, kind of a, a big piece that... Uh, awareness and heart piece for me. So I wanted to learn more and I enrolled in my local hospital's eight-week mindfulness-based stress reduction program, which oh. is, that's it's been around for about 40 years now. It's international, very well-researched. Um, and part of the homework was to meditate for a half an hour every day. And like I said, recovering a perfectionist people pleaser, I did my homework just like I was supposed to. <laughs> and, I, and I did that uh, faithful meditation for a half an hour every day. So I was skeptical at first because I was like, well, you want me to just sit down and kind of, you know, ostensibly do nothing for a half an hour and what? Uh, but I thought, all right, I'll, I'll try this out. So very soon I was hooked because I started to notice uh, very quickly that I was more patient. I was more fun. I slowed down just a notch, but I was actually more productive and more efficient. Um, so I wow. continued to to practice. Uh, I ended up going through teacher training and uh, brought mindfulness into the therapy office in my, with my clients and uh, start and taught at that hospital program for a number of years as well. 
So fast forward to the time when my daughter is about to turn 10 and I'm pregnant with my son. And of course, I know from experience, I am not meditating for a half an hour every day with a newborn. So I wanted to keep mindfulness in my life, though, in a way that was really flexible and practical with all of these responsibilities that we juggle. And I knew it wasn't a half an hour a day. Mm -hmm. So I developed these five-minute practices that I believe we can all carve out. And if, if we can't carve out five minutes, one minute is really effective too. It's, it's really quite amazing once you start to test these uh, mindful breaks out that I'm sure we'll get into and talk about <clears throat> how effective they are. Um, they help pull us off of this hamster wheel of busyness. And so I ended up writing my first book, Breathe Mama Breathe, Five-Minute Mindfulness for Busy Moms. Um, and it has dozens of these mindful breaks in it. And then fast forward again to the time when my son is about to go in, you know, he's in preschool and in elementary school, and I have a little bit more time on my hands. And I started to come back to... Um, women, women's issues and women's empowerment, which is something that was really close to my heart in my early 20s. Uh, and so I started to see how we women were holding ourselves back um, and how when we are more calm-ish, <laughs> relatively calm, <laughs> you know, uh, that we can, that's when we bring our best selves to our kids, to our families, to the world, to our work, and we can put all of our gifts out there. So that became really important to me. And that's my mission is to help um, women find life balance, create life balance. And we'll talk more about that, I'm sure. Oh, yay. This is just singing to me, all of this. Um, first of all, you know, as a mom of a special needs kid and another kid who really needs a lot of support, it was so hard to take even just a minute or two for myself. And I really wish that I knew more about this when my kids were growing up. I really do. Um, also, you know, I think that getting focused is so helpful. I loved what you said about slowing down actually made you more efficient and more productive. Yes. So I have a wonderful staff mostly of women. I have two men that work with me, but I find that the women have difficulty not being panicked and frantic all day and feeling like there's so much to do. I'm never going to get it done. And I really want always to be leading them and talking to them about slowing down, taking a minute. It's fine to spend a minute to make sure that you know what you're doing. And, you know, before you put something out there into the world, take an extra minute to look it over again until you feel calm with it. There's no reason to not be calm. I just gave that message to somebody yesterday. A client's calling, they're panicked. But if you meet them with calmness, then they're going to feel more comfortable and confident. And they're going to slow down. Yes. The whole process will have a better outcome. I love what you said about that. And it took me so long, Shonda, to get there. You know, we don't, well, first of all, I know I didn't get taught this for my mother as I was learning how to parent. Did you? No, no. I well, mean, I have a wonderful mom, but no, that wasn't, that wasn't it. I mean, we didn't, and I, I can't, if I had, you know, a dollar for every time somebody said, I wish I had this when I was a, a young mom. Mm -hmm. It's so true. We didn't have it as, you know, that's why I wrote it. I needed this book too. There are so many women who are getting braver about speaking up about their needs. And that's why I love this book so much. Um, so 
talk, tell me a little bit about what this is all about. What is DFTB and what is it all about? Right. First of all, I just want to say we need more leaders like you. I mean, can you, I, I am so happy to hear that your, your company, you are trying to lead everyone to do this because can you imagine if that was something across the board? I, you know, that's a dream of mine to see that because giving permission to those we work with and our colleagues mm. is huge and modeling it. So yes. Side note, I yes. am going to give your book as a gift to my oh, staff. Nice, so nice. <laughs> wonderful. So don't forget to breathe. That's my second book, uh, mm. five minute mindfulness for busy women. And this is all about life balance. And, and, you know, we can talk about this, this, this idea of life balance. We were talking a little bit in the green room before we started. Um, And a a common uh, thing I hear is that there is no such thing as life balance. And I understand that sentiment. What I define life balance as, because I think it depends on our definition and our expectations, is it's an ongoing, gentle, kind recalibration of our priorities at moment to moment through the phases of our life, you know, we know when we have little ones or if we have one's special needs, uh, kids with special needs, there are going to be times and phases where it's like, we we need to really, that's our priority, boom. And, and everything else is kind of like secondary. And then there are times where things are kind of rolling along pretty smoothly. And then we have space for more. So, so to me, life balance and the mindfulness that I talk about is not just about calming down. That's huge and it's important. But there are times where it's sort of like, you know what, things are kind of good. And I want more. I want to take on a project. I want to, you know, push myself out of my comfort zone. We women have that capacity. So it's all about checking in and being in tune with ourselves to know what is needed. And then we recalibrate the balance. So it can really be a fun, playful experimentation. It doesn't have to be this like idea of perfection or something we're, you know, working to attain. And once we get there, then all should be well. It doesn't work like that. Right. Yeah. Well, I know in the disability community, we talk a lot about work-life integration mm-hmm. because for us, you know, many of us are working in the community, in the disability community or doing something adjacent to. And even if we do have a separate job, we are doing lots of outside things, you know, and so there's not, we don't really have this idea of balance, although I love the way you're explaining it. But when in the past, when people have talked about work-life balance, it's like, okay, you have this much time for work, you have this much time for family, and, you know, you got to set your priorities and this and that. It's when you are constantly running to school, you know, meetings, and your kid is being sent home all the time, or you have something like a pandemic where your kids are home for two years, you know, the whole thing is really more about how you're integrating all the things that you want to get done, all the things that are, you know, your multiple priorities in your life. And that's why I think this don't forget to breathe is so important for us. It's, and it's so good for our kids. Let's talk about that. Oh, yeah. Why why is it like, I don't know the answer to this. (laughs) Why is it so important that women, especially women caregivers take a few minutes or, or, or a moment to care yeah, for themselves. Yeah. So let me come back to that. You you mentioned about kids and there was research that was done that uh, parents went through a mindfulness training program and it was just the parents for themselves how to be more mindful. And then the research sh- showed that the kids benefited directly from their parents being more mindful. Their behavior was better. They were more
more social. I mean, all of these benefits the kids reaped, you know, indirectly from their parents practicing mindfulness. So we know that it's good for yes. our kids. It's good for it's good for our employees. Um, so it's it does start with us. And and kind of you know going back to what you were saying before about with your work team, your team at work. I mean, you have to think about, we we recognize whether we are aware of it or not, we pick up on other people's energy. And if somebody is frantic or operating from a sense of urgency or scarcity, we feel that and, and it feels uncomfortable. Um, so, you know, there's that piece too, is how, who we come in contact with. So we can model this as best we can. But what we know is that we women especially tend to live in this low level state of fight or flight a lot of the time, right? Chronic yes. stress. And if you think about when, you know, if we're lucky enough to go on vacation and at the end of vacation, it's usually like the end of a week where it's sort of like, oh, I started to re relax a little bit. It's like that absence of stress. If we're ever, you know, lucky enough to have that feeling, we don't recognize how tight and stressed out we are a lot of the yes. time until it's not there. Um, and so, living, so true. yes, yeah. living in fight or flight, what we know about that is that's our body's uh, response to perceived danger. And so, of course, it's helpful when we're faced with real danger. If we're crossing the street and we look up and see a car coming, we want to mm -hmm. have fight or flight kick in. So our muscles react and our heart starts pumping the blood so we can jump out of the way quickly. That's fight or flight. That's helpful. But our body and mind don't dis don't distinguish between perceived danger and real danger. So I can have my to-do list. I can have my work. I can have my responsibilities at home with my kids. And it feels like danger. And my body and mind don't distinguish between that and a real danger, a real threat. And so what happens during fight or flight is the front part of our brain, the prefrontal cortex, that's in charge of planning and organizing, being able to step back and see the big picture, that slows down during fight or flight. And we're not as creative, we're not as innovative, all of these things. Um, and so when we take just a few deep breaths, we calm down fight or flight. We send a message to our brain that there's no threat and our body gets that message. And we are now, that front part of our brain is now working more efficiently. And now I can, you know, if my child is having a meltdown, I'm able to pause and say, how do I want to react? How do I want to respond rather than react? Um, how, you know, we, we can think on our feet a little bit more um, and we just have that clarity more. Mm -hmm. So, you know, so that is just one example of how it's so impactful. Again, this is just singing to me. Um, so you called, don't forget to breathe as you called it an antidote to burnout. And I'm personally always at risk of burnout and mm -hmm. taking on too much and just overwhelming myself. So explain that to me. Yeah, I'm with you. I have constantly like, no, 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 no. You can, you, you may not, there's, you cannot take this on. Always one more interesting thing to do, Sean, yes, you know, yes, and there's I no have. end of invitations to do them very often for free, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> but even if you get paid, it's not always worth it. So talk to me about this. Uh, my, my parents who are listening to this or siblings or caregivers of any sort in our mm. community are going to really need to hear this from you. Yes. Tell me the question again. I got it. <laughs> I'm sorry. We're talking about how don't forget to breathe is an antidote for burnout. Yes, because yes, we yes. are always on that tipping edge. Yes. Thank Some you. Some of us have already gone over. Well, hopefully not. And that's it. I mean, so the, the, you know, the hope 
is that this is a way to be proactive. So we can sort of, again, recalibrate when the, when the balance starts to shift. And I, am, I totally get it. We cannot control life. Life comes at us. Responsibilities come at us. Crises. Um, so it's about coping sometimes and we're in survival mode sometimes, but sometimes we're not. Sometimes we can kind of uh, be a little bit, steer the ship a little bit more. Mm. So being proactive is about, there are two pieces to the the book. And it, the first one is to take five minutes or, and I will say that again, one minute in the morning to sit down and meditate. I believe we can all do that. So, and if one minute feels too long, then you get up in the morning, you sit on the edge of your bed and you take five deep inhales and deep exhales. But it's this daily practice of meditation or just stopping and pausing before we hop onto that nonstop hamster wheel that we tend to run on all day long until we crash into bed and then we fall asleep or we look at the ceiling for a couple of hours, but then some of them, yeah, whichever, (laughs) however that goes. Have you Um, met me? That's exactly what happened. (laughs) Never happened to me ever. No. Mm -mm. Um, so yeah, so it's starting the day with a little, just a few minutes of meditation. And I always say to get started, it's helpful to have a guided meditation, a guided voice, just, you know, as somebody to somebody's voice to bring you back, because when we're learning about meditation, um, and I can talk with it, what that is more specifically, um, it's easy to get off track. So that coupled with mindful breaks and the mindful breaks are these reminders and pauses in the midst of our day to pull ourselves off that hamster wheel and just pause. And we don't have to stop and go close our eyes and, you know, instead of meditate to do that. So I could take a mindful break while I'm drinking my coffee or while I am waiting for a meet, I start a Zoom call and I sit when I have a minute or two and I take a mindful break and I just, instead of scrolling on my phone, I just pay attention to my body. I drop my shoulders and I take a few deep breaths. Or when I'm driving my car, I can just check in and see like what I can notice my hands on the wheel. All throughout our day are opportunities for mindful breaks. And I always recommend you start with one. Just pick one. And there are dozens in in both books. Um, Just pick one to get started with. Do that every day. It becomes a habit. It becomes part of your day that you don't even need to remember. It's like brushing your teeth. Okay, it's just what I do. And and then you can stack on another mindful break for a few weeks and so forth. So before you know it, you're starting your day with a few minutes of quiet meditation. And then your day is sprinkled with these mindful breaks, which help pull us off that hamster wheel that pulls us out of fight or flight, which is short bits of time in our day. And that counteracts fight or flight. It counteracts that stress reactivity. So um, that's that's the, the crux okay, and the so, two-pronged approach. And I'm starting to understand now, and, and I want to pull this apart a little bit. So you mentioned mindfulness, you mentioned meditation, and you mentioned these mindful breaks, and they're different. Yes. So I think I understand the mindful break where you take a minute or two and recognize your body and your posture and how you're sitting and but um, what is the difference between the mindfulness and the meditation and this mindful break? Because when I hear meditation, I've tried it and like my mind wanders and I can't. And I know you mentioned this at the beginning of our talk today. I, I you know, I haven't been able to get to it. And I like yoga, although I'm not uh, great at it. Um, but I have the same problem in the yoga class. I can't stay focused. Yeah, absolutely. It sounds like if I start with the smaller pieces, I might get better at this as a practice. So it's just kind of like, you know, pick this apart for me a little bit. Yes. And I love hearing you ask all these questions because it's so 
all our type A's, you know, <laughs> we are like, I'm not good at this. I'm not doing it right. You know, <laughs> so it's so important. I need instruction. Tell <laughs> right, me right. I can follow rules. Yes, exactly. It's so important. So uh, to us. So, um, so meditation is simply carving out time in our day to practice this. So let me talk about mindfulness first. Let me back up. Mindfulness is paying attention to what's happening in the moment with an attitude of kindness and curiosity. And the opposite of mindfulness is when we're running on automatic pilot. And we've all done that. We've all gotten on a car, drive, driven somewhere and been like, oh, wow, I don't remember like this stretch of road, yes. right? Like, yikes. Yes. Well, yes. in our minds, in that moment, when we're on autopilot, we're either in the future, we're worrying, we're what ifing, running through our to do list, or we're in the past, we're rehashing a conversation or a memory. So the opposite of uh, mindfulness is running on autopilot. So we want to pull ourselves out of autopilot whenever possible, because then the more awareness we have of what's happening in our lives, the more we have choice in what we where we place our attention, the actions we take, and so forth. Mm -hmm. So that's mindfulness. Uh, meditation is carving out time in our day to practice the skill of mindfulness. And so I might sit down, like I said, with a guided voice, uh, and I start to notice my inhale, and I notice my exhale, which sounds so simplistic. But what we also know is that our mind will immediately very quickly wander off. You know, it, our attention drifts off. We hear a sound. We feel an itch. We think a thought. And we think, <laughs> I'm not doing this right. But <laughs> meditation is actually familiarizing ourselves with our busy minds. And each time our attention drifts off, we come back to that point of focus. We often choose the breath because it's just easy. It's with us all the time. Um, and we start again. So if I sit down for two minutes and I need to bring my attention back 25 times, that's fine. We're practicing this skill. It's almost like building a mindfulness muscle of attention. Like if I'm going to go to the gym and I want a big bicep, I'm going to be doing those repetitive curls. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing. I'm repetitively with an attitude of kindness instead of this attitude we tend to have, which is judging. What's wrong with you? Why can't you pay attention? And then we judge ourselves for judging. You're not supposed to be judging yourself. Why are you judging yourself so much? So it's so <laughs> actually... <laughs> I know you've met me now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in your head. It's scary. You are. Get out. <laughs> um, so obviously this is universal or we wouldn't be laughing about it. We wouldn't right. be like going, yes, I totally understand. And, you know, and this takes years to kind of really, really integrate and, you know, but, it, but it, you notice the benefits quite quickly. So it's, 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 can we have this attitude of amusement? Like we're talking about now, like, wow, I was off again, thinking about what I need to get at the grocery store today for the fifth time in this one minute. There's nothing wrong with that. It's what our brains do, but there is so much power in recognizing because our thoughts and our body sensations and our emotions are so intertwined. For example, I can have one thought, let's say, Let's say we have a conversation at work and I walk away and I was like, I can't believe I said that. I stuck my foot in my mouth and I'm so embarrassed. So if I'm aware of that thought, I can say, okay, I'm embarrassed. Um, you know, Is there anything I need to do to repair it? Is there anything I can do? But checking in with my body, oof, I feel that in my stomach. It's kind of like, oh, uncomfortable. I feel a lump in my throat. Um, I feel pressure in my chest maybe. And my, you know, I can keep spinning around in that cycle of like beating myself up if I'm not aware. But if I'm aware, I can say, you know what? It's okay. 
Annette probably is fine. She, she wasn't offended. She is okay. Or I can ask her or, you know, and I can catch it. And then it doesn't in, infect the next part of my day. But if I'm not aware, I might go into the next part of my day feeling this ickiness and feeling like, oh, and I'm going to bark at the next person I come in contact with. And I'm going to be grumpy with this person. Uh, and I'm going to go in the bathroom and cry. If that, that's yeah, sure. And you're just sure. going to feel bad all day about yourself. <clears throat> I'm a terrible blah, blah, blah. Yeah, 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 yeah. On and on and on. So it helps us to interrupt these, you know, unpleasant moments that show up or, you know, life. And it also helps us notice and savor more of the beautiful moments. So mm. I can walk to my car and I can be in my head thinking, on, you know, an autopilot again, thinking about everything that I need to do or something that just happened. Mm. And I don't notice the birds singing and the sun shining. And But what a beautiful moment. And I, if I am aware and I can be like, oh, okay, just check, just notice, look, look around and look what you see. That can be a beautiful moment that can totally shift how I feel in, you know, for the, for that part of the day. I really hear what you're saying. Last night I was out walking with some friends who came to visit. We were walking the dogs. It was such a pleasant evening. And I looked up and I saw the sunset. It was so pretty. Uh, it just took a, a second to say, I am so blessed to be here in this yes, minute, you yes. know, with my friends, with my puppy dog, with, this beautiful weather and the sunset. I mean, not every moment is like that in life yes. and just recognizing it. I think that's what you're talking about. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm hearing what you're, what you're delivering here. So, <laughs> And it's often oh, those ordinary moments. I call them the in-between moments where it's like, you know, nothing major is happening. It's, it's an ordinary life moment, but how like that is a beautiful moment. And now you've locked that into your memory and you can pull that out and savor that. And you can, we can actually, like I was saying about thoughts, body sensations, emotions, one thought of a beautiful moment, we feel that emotion and we feel that in our body sensations just by thinking about it. I mean, how powerful is that? You oh, know? Yeah. So, so as opposed to going back to say, beating myself up for eating that third cookie, I can think right. about the sunset and my friends being here exactly. and my dog. Yes. That's where the choice comes in. Yeah. So is that a good place to start for us is to just start by recognizing those moments? What's a good place to start? Yes. If I, again, I come back to that guided meditation. And, and if, if folks want to go to my website, I will send them a guided meditation, a five minute meditation with my voice. So it, you know, oh, get them started. And there are apps, there are, you know, I mean, you can do this in many, many ways, but always having that voice to pull you back. So I think that's, that's a really helpful way. And if, but if that feels too intimidating, I tell people, one time throughout your day, I want you to just stop what you're doing. You can, and if you feel inclined, some people are like, uh, I'm not a touchy feely. Put your hands to yeah. your heart just to connect. That's it. And then take three deep breaths. Just take three, I mean, deep breaths in through your nose, out through your mouth, because we don't tend to breathe deeply throughout our day. We tend to breathe very shallowly in our chest. Mm. Um, and that also perpetuates fight or flight. So Keep it super simple, but make it a daily habit. That's what it, we. That's the most important thing. Is starts one kind of daily habit. You know, one of the mo one of the most um, <clears throat> popular mindful breaks is the coffee mindful break. So this could be your tea, your coffee, your lemon water, whatever you're doing in the morning, and instead of chugging it back and multitasking and not even knowing if you've had it or not, <clears throat> pause. And again, 20 seconds, or you could stretch this out to 10 minutes. Some people do. Feel mm -hmm. the warmth of your mug. 
bring the bring it to your nose, smell the aroma, take that first sip, hold it in your mouth, taste it, feel the warmth, then feel it slowly moving down your throat into your stomach. And that wow. is a very different way of having your drink in the morning than we tend to do. And it's going to just it's it's sort of like you were talking in the beginning that that moment of self care. It's like I'm here. I can do this for myself. This is a moment of kindness for myself. Mm, I love that. You mentioned your website. I wanted to say it's uh, shondamorales.net. And we'll have that in our show notes so people can connect with you. Um, And also, before I get too much further down the road, so you've got your two books. Where can people find those? Anywhere books are sold. Okay, great. Um, and they have rave reviews, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. You talk about breathe, becoming, and balance. How does that work together? Yes. So this is from Don't Forget to Breathe. And this is uh, sort of a framework I've developed. I call it the upward spiral of growth because I think, you know, we're the, hopefully we're all growing as we move through life, through our challenges, through the beautiful moments. Um, There are three types of mindful breaks. The first is our breathe breaks, and these help us uh, become more calm and aware. So a coffee mindful break is an example of that, just calming us down in the moment, being more aware. The the second type is becoming, and that's if we, let's say we um, are given a promotion at work or we're taking on a new project or just hit a new roadblock, even with our child, a new phase, we feel out of our element. We need a little confidence or a shot of assertiveness that that's where those mindful breaks come in. They can help us with that. Those are becoming breaks. And then there are balance breaks. When we feel like the balance has fallen off course, we've fallen off course, we can pull ourselves back. So so that's how the you know the meditation and the mindful breaks work together is we pause first thing in the morning. We can ask ourselves, what am I needing? What am I craving in this moment or today? And then we can pull out one of these dozens of mindful breaks. If Maybe it's a breathe break. I need to calm down today. Maybe I need to work on my confidence or assertiveness, or maybe I'm like, hey, I'm ready for like, like I said, like something more, like I want to yeah. step out of my comfort zone and take on a project. Then we pull out a, a balance break or a becoming break. So whatever is needed, we can find that. And then, you know, I see it as this upward spiral of growth. It's a very slow progression, but that we pull out and use whatever we need as we move through our lives and as we grow. Well, as we have been told for decades now, 90 days is all you need to really like cement a new practice or a new something in your life, a new habit. So just try it for 90 days and see if it does anything for you. Yeah. And I actually, I've read research where it's, it varies depending on what kind of habit we're starting to, we're trying to establish. And I don't know. So I don't know about that, but, but I would say, yes, I just say experiment with it. This is, you know, and if you, you know, just try it out, that's all just for, and see what Mm -hmm. you notice um, and try to have that attitude of, of like open curiosity. So every time I meet with an author, I always want to ask because, you know, I have my own really interesting story about how my book came to be my first book. I'm working on another one now. And it's so hard. How how did you get inspired to actually write Breathe Mama Breathe? Yeah. So 
I, like I said, I was having my, uh, I wrote it for myself pretty much, you know, I was in the throes of a, a, a little guy. My little guy was, you know, yeah. an, a newborn, an infant. And um, I was working with a lot of busy moms too. And so I started writing <clears throat> blog posts that were going to be, you know, really just for the people I was working with mm-hmm. as well as myself. And um, it started to be like, ah, oh, I can make something out of this. Maybe I'll, you know, compile a workbook or something. And then I thought, well, you know what? They, I think I have a book here, maybe. So I thought, well, I'll we'll see how it goes. Um, and I that thought, was oh, exactly so. how I got started yeah. too. Mine started as a journal. Okay. And then I got like about a third of the way into it, and I thought this could really help somebody else besides yes. me. Right. You know, this could really be something. I think I'm going to try to turn this into a book. It's very yeah. similar. Yeah. yeah. And it's it's funny how when we're looking at it, we don't have the confidence to say we're writing a book. We just kind of fall into it. So many women I talked to, that's exactly what happened. But then you had the strength, the courage, you know, to to write a second book. Well, your first book was really well received. So, but, you know, when you moved on to Don't Forget to Breathe, you are, you, you, you took a little bit of a different tact with this one. Tell us about that. So this is more about life balance and mm-hmm. how do we as women, you know, moms, moms is a obviously a huge part of for some of our lives and not everyone's a mom. So this is all for, for women in general. But how do we how do we create the best life balance we can ongoing so that we can be bring our best selves, you know, so that we can share our gifts with the world and um, and also not burn ourselves out. Right. So we're talking, you know, how mm-hmm. do we and like I'm like you wired where I will definitely uh, want to take on more than I, more than is wise. Yeah. So I am constantly, you know, that's, and so I talk a lot about these, uh, these continuums of balance. So some of us have this want to overfill our plates You know, we don't want to overfill our plates. We just want to do a lot and we tend to overfill our plates. And some of us, you know, need kind of like some nudges, some pushes to get up off the couch. And so knowing where you fall on that continuum, so then you can take these just very small action steps toward more of the center of balance. You know, there's a continuum for some of us are risk takers and some of us are more risk averse. And ideally, we always want to be kind of in the center of the continuum. So if you're a risk taker, it's like, okay, my work is to pause before I act, before I speak, before I say yes. And if we're risk averse, we need to nudge ourselves and push ourselves out of our comfort zone on a regular basis. But it's these tiny action steps that we can take over time time really makes such a huge difference. You think about that, you know, sometimes we get overwhelmed with how to make change in our lives, where we mm. want to be. And it just, it get, feels too overwhelming. So we don't do anything, but I'm huge, a huge proponent of these just tiny shifts. Like what's the next right step I could take toward that direction? Because over a year, if I'm doing that on a regular basis in the course of a year, I'm going to make some really big changes that just feel overwhelming if I think about it now. And like mm. writing a book is a great example, right? I mean, if you think I'm going to sit down and write a book, like yes. it is, we know how yeah. <laughs> it's so much more time consuming than you can even imagine, right? It's it, just, it just looked like it was going to be so easy in the beginning. And then it was like, holy crap, this is a lot of work and a lot of things I don't understand or know anything about. So now I have to learn a whole bunch of different sets of rules. Yes. But, I'm but really if you just do moment this. by moment, moment, yeah, day by day, moment by moment, those tiny movements towards by the end of a year or so, you have a book. Um, mm-hmm. But if you think about sitting down and just writing a book, you know, that's that's too intense. So we got we have to break it down. 
it, it is really intense. And thinking about the parents on this, um, you know, listening to this episode and who listen into this podcast, I, I remember when my kids were little, somebody asked me at one point, I think maybe I had like tried to go to therapy or something. And the question was, you know, what are your goals? What do you dream about? And I was like, I don't know. I don't think I have any dreams. I don't think I stopped for a second to think about that. And for me, it just took a while to get there, but it's really just circling back to this idea of being a good role model for our kids. Mm. We want our kids to have a happy life. Yes. Why aren't we modeling what that looks like for Mm. them? We have to have a happy life. So they see it. You can't just tell them to be happy. You have to show them how to be happy. Yes. You know, I can't, I'm embarrassed to say how long it took me to get there. You know, um, I think this, I think the younger generation are doing a better job at this than we are, but I hope that it's because we are starting to get there and model for them what this looks like. Yes. I'm hoping and praying that that's true. I really want to integrate these practices into my life. I think I do some of them, but don't recognize it or mm-hmm. call it that. Right. But I, I am really in love with what you're, uh, what you're spreading here. You know, the, this is, uh, we need this in our generation. I, I really believe that. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. And I think for, especially for women, it's permission. If we can't give ourselves permission, which is, it can, it can be hard for some of us to take a few minutes for ourselves, we know it does directly benefit our kids and our families and our coworkers and our partners. And so do it for them if you can't do it for yourself. And eventually I'm hoping we can get to that permission for ourselves, treat ourselves as lovingly and as kindly as we would treat people we care about. And recognize when we want more, when we're, you know, searching for something, when we're feeling like there's more out there for us and we want to go get it. Again, it's, it's, um, it seems simple when you say it, but it's just so not simple. Yes. I can't tell you how many times you all meet with moms, especially with little ones or with special needs who will say, like, I will say, what do you like to do for fun? What? And they're like, uh, and it's crickets, you know, I I don't remember and that's fine. It's okay. It's, it's not, you know, that is very, very common. We can lose sight of who we are. We can lose sight of what we love and what we, what makes us happy. And it's just about rediscovering and trying to have that playful experimental attitude while you're doing it. And if you try something and you don't like it, you never have to do it again because you're grown up now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's great. So Shonda's website is really awesome. There's some great blog posts there. And if you want to work with her, there's a you know, section there on how to work with Shonda as a coach. Um, what, any last you know, tips or just that one last thing that you want to make sure we share before we close out today? Because as usual, I've gone on longer than I always mean to, but this <laughs> is a fascinating conversation, so I don't mind. Yes. Just give yourself permission and talk kindly to yourself as you would to someone you love, someone you care about, a friend, you know, really pay attention to, to that. And, and also I say to, to moms all the time, give yourselves high fives because we tend to, if we are, you know, we forget one thing, we drop one ball and we're like, how could you, how could you forget to fill in the blank when you mm-hmm. forget that 
there are 999 other things we remembered and we did and we don't give ourselves credit. So just start to really pay attention and give yourself credit. I call them mommy high fives for all that we're doing and who we are. Great. Yeah. It's really hard for us to, you know, pat ourselves on the back or give that high five because we're almost embarrassed to say, Oh, I was really good today. You know, I did a great job at X, Y, Z. It's not in our nature. In fact, you know, personally, my mother often frowns on being too excited about your talents. And, you know, it's looked on as bragging or, uh, you know, having an ego, you're not supposed to have that. So I, I think that's a great first step. Well, Shonda, we've come to the end of our interview today. <laughs> this is an awesome episode. I really appreciate it. And thank you so much for putting this good work out there in the world. It Aww. is awesome. Thanks. Thanks for letting me share it, Annette. Well, I really appreciate this. And everybody, make sure you go to Shonda's website and check her out and absolutely order those books. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. I just wanted to take a second to say how much I appreciate you taking the time to listen to these podcasts. I'm having a blast doing them, and I hope that you're finding the content to be what you were really hoping. If you are, please take a second to leave a rating and a review. It's so helpful in getting this content out to people who really need to hear it. Thank you so much.